Hey C3 family, welcome. Are you ready to hear God's word? Well, we'll get started in three, two, one. Good morning, welcome to Christ Community Church. We are Bethany's house. She told us we weren't coming again, and here we are. What happened, Bethany? You just came here. <laughs> <laughs> we are so glad you guys have joined us this morning. Uh, welcome, and we are ready to worship. We encourage you guys to worship along with us. Got the devil on my throat. I got blood on my hands. The ones that I love are in danger. I'm a fallen man. But I found me a river. It washes me clean. I know that I'm drowning, but trying. But I'll never leave. Know that I'm found, I can't keep from hiding. I don't have a choice, but I get stuck inside it. But I am a man in need of constant revival. So Jesus, come quickly, I need you for my survival. Got a lock on my soul, but I'll never let you in. Got the hounds of hell chasing, my time's running thin. But I found me a rhythm, and it breaks down my gates. And sometimes it's hard just to listen, but I'm making my case. I know that I'm found, can't keep from hiding. I don't have a choice, but I get stuck inside it. And I am a man in need of constant revival. So Jesus, come quickly, I need you for my survival. Flowers need sunlight, oceans need hot tide, like men need a long life to know that they ain't right, like lions need their pride. It's a matter of your time, need you if I want to survive, know that I'm fine, I can't keep from hiding, I don't have a choice, but I get stuck inside it. Come quickly, I need you for my survival.
Good morning, Christ Community Church. I hope you guys had a great week. I'd like to do the call to worship today, and it will be from Psalm 117. And it is, Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Um, Lord, I ask you to bless our worship, and I ask you to bless the study of your word. Be with Larry as he brings our message. Lord, I also ask that you be with those that travel this week. They have health and safety. And again, Lord, we just lift this time up to you. Amen. Um, I hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving. If you can, join us on social media and also in person. Take care. I fall down upon the ground, press my face against the earth, till my heart rises over my head. As the weed it bows down low, when the autumn wind blows, I kneel before the one I love. And find me grateful. And find me thankful, find me on my knees. Find me dreaming, find me singing, find me lost in your grace. Like the dust that you first hailed in a garden where you knelt. You pull me up against your face again Till the breath of your hope Fills the depths of my soul Till all I know is I've been found by love And find me grateful And find me thankful Find me on my knees and find me dreaming, and find me singing, and find me lost in your grace. the dust that you first held in a garden where you knelt you pull me up against your face again till the breath of your hope fills the depths of my soul till all I know is I've been found by love you find me grateful and find me thankful And find me on my knees And find me dreaming And find me singing And find me lost in your grace 
Find me thankful, find me on my knees, and find me dreaming, find me singing, find me lost in your grace. Welcome to Good Christ morning. Community Church. Welcome, welcome. So glad you could be with us today. Thank you for the music. That yes. was fabulous. Yes, always. always thank you. Always thank so you. good. So I'm going to open this morning by talking about a Netflix series or Netflix show that we've been yes. watching. It's like a limited series thing called yeah. The Queen's Gambit. Have you seen that? It was it's advertised. Correct. It is good. There's yeah. like seven episodes total or whatever. And it is about this girl who is a child prodigy in chess. Yeah. And so when she's a little kid, what, she's probably like eight or ten years old when the thing starts, something like that, she can lay in her bed. She does. She lays in her bed, and she looks up at the ceiling, and she can see the chess pieces moving. The board and the chess pieces, both sides, the, her side and the other. That's right. Her mother, her yeah. mother is a brilliant mathematician, and so yeah. she's clearly inherited yeah. the 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 logic of that. Anyway, so she can see both sides of the board as she lays there in bed. What happens, though, and is... plays entire chess games in her mind. That's uh, right. Yeah, laying in bed. And knows yeah. how to, I mean, can figure out all the different yeah. maneuvers and all the different yeah. defense and, right. and offense and everything. Well, the thing is, though, she doesn't start to play for a while. She yes. can see it before she actually starts to play. Yeah, so right. she, I think the, the point that where we're going with this, or where you, the point you're going to make, I think, is that is she really a chess player if she hasn't begun to play? Right. If she hasn't really made a real move, she hasn't had a real game with a real opponent, although she clearly can see it, but she hasn't started playing. She's not a chess player until she starts moving the chess pieces on the board and competing against real people. Real people. Right. That's, that's right. when she becomes a chess player. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Thank you. So what does that have to do with what we're talking well, about today? I just wanted today for us to talk about um what the Bible says about having a real faith relationship with God. And uh, I would just start off by saying that the Bible would declare that there's nothing more important than you and I coming to a place where we are confident that we have a real faith relationship with God. Yeah. It's not just something in our minds. It's oh. not just something that we think about or lay in bed like that girl, young lady, and figure, you know, out. figure out and focus on. And What is a real faith relationship with God mean? Right. What does it look like? Because that was it all work? in her head. Yes. 
for a while. All right. For a while. Um, the, uh, the Bible would declare uh, repeatedly that a faith relationship with God is more precious than gold. Without it, no one can please God. And without a real faith relationship with God, we cannot gain the righteousness of God. We can't please God. We cannot gain the righteousness of God. And we cannot um, become a part of the family of God. That transpires, that occurs when we experience um, and enter into a, a faith relationship with God. And so I want us to think just for a little while. I've sent an email out, I think, to most of the people listening and challenged everyone to read Hebrews 11. Right. And uh, that is probably the best chapter in the Bible as far as uh, giving us uh, an understanding of what a real faith relationship with God looks like. Um, uh, the author, I believe it's the Apostle Paul, that's debatable, but the author of Hebrews 11 tries to help us understand what a real faith relationship with God looks like by giving us numerous examples of people who had a real faith relationship with God. And by us studying their lives, observing how they live their lives, I think the author's goal is to make us evaluate, do, do I have a faith relationship with God? Does my life resemble faith-wise, their lives. Um, and, I, and as I spent the last couple of weeks studying Hebrews 11, what I noticed, there's about 20 people that the writer of Hebrews 11 mentions. And um, out of those 20, if you study those 20 people carefully, at least I came up with about eight qualities that all 20 of those people either explicitly or implicitly they they all possessed these eight qualities some more clearly some not so clearly but you can see them they're they're there if you just look for them let me I just want I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this I just want to run through them with, uh, real quickly number 1 all 20 of these people who had a faith relationship with God they knew that God had spoken to them and they understood what God was saying. They weren't, when God spoke to Abraham, when God spoke to Moses, when God spoke to Rahab, when God spoke to Noah, when God spoke to David, no one said, God, is that you? Mm. No, no, no. They knew it was God speaking to them and they knew what God was saying to them. Um, I think that's very significant. Number two, uh, all 20 of these people, and let me just go back and Eve, I meant to, to mention to you some of the people that are in this list, that are in this chapter. Abel, uh, Adam's son, is in the list. Enoch, the very first person who never died, that yeah. went to heaven, God took him to heaven without dying. There's only two in the whole Bible. He's one of them. Uh, Noah, Sarah, the wife of Abraham, Isaac, the son of Abraham, Jacob, the grandson of Abraham, Joshua, who led the, people, the, the children of Israel into the promised land. Rahab, I mentioned her. Gideon, uh, Samuel, and David. 
These are some of the people that the author mentions and says, these people had faith relationship with God that were real. Yeah. Do you have a life that resembles that them? That is a robust group of people. It's a, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And in each of those settings, in each of those situations, you see that these people, that God had spoken to them, they knew it was God, and they knew what God was saying to them, what God was telling them. Number two, I find it significant that in each of their lives, these people did not receive from God very much information. Mm. They did not receive any specifics, any details, very little information. What's going to happen next? Where is this ultimately going to wind up? Where is this going to take me? What is this ultimately going to mean? No, no, no. God spoke to them. They knew what God was saying. But really what God was saying to them is, I want you to take the next step. This, this, this step is what I'm telling you to do. You trust me with the rest of it. Number three, what God was saying to them was not what they expected, what they wanted, or what they hoped for. Most of the time, and I'm not trying to be snide here when I say this, but when people tell me, oh, God told me to marry so-and-so. Didn't you want to marry him anyway? God told me to buy this car. Well, didn't you want to buy that car anyway? God wanted me to, do, to take it's this job. It's always a good car. And it's God always a good car. <laughs> it's always a good-looking person. Uh, you know, it's a, God, wants, God told me to, to uh, take this job. Didn't you want that job anyway? Do you see what I'm saying? Most of the time, and I'm not saying God didn't tell people to do those things. I find it interesting that in these 20 examples, not once did God tell these people to do things that they wanted to do, that they thought, that they expected God to tell them to do. It was completely a surprise, and it was something that they really didn't want to do, yeah. and yet they knew God was telling them to do it. Uh, number four, um, their response to what God was telling them was based upon their understanding of who they saw God to be. Their response was based upon who they believed God to be. Uh, these people consistently believed that God knew best, was committed to their good, would not desert them, would not lie to them, and would not let them down. And because they believed those things so firmly, they were willing to do what God was telling them to do, even though it was very uncomfortable, often scary. If, you, if that makes sense to you. Um, number five, what God was telling them to do was most often just a first step. What God was asking them, it required, it demanded that they take a first step, a step that was small, practical, and doable. Yeah. By example, Noah, I want you to build a boat, a huge boat the size of a football field and save all of the animals and save your family from a worldwide catastrophic flood. <laughs> God, I'm not sure I can do that. Can you cut down a gopher tree and start making lumber? I can do that. Yeah. Joshua, can you go in and conquer Jericho, the mightiest fortress in the ancient world, and then conquer the promised land and give that to the people of Israel? God, I'm not sure I can do that. Okay, can you walk across the Jordan River when I split it wide open? I can do that. God was asking them to do small first steps 
But in their willingness to take a first step, it ultimately led them to do incredible things. Number, I don't know what this is, number six, I guess, would be the decision that they made to hear and heed and follow God and whatever it was God was telling them to do, it ultimately defined their life. And not only did it impact their life profoundly, it impacted those around them profoundly. It, it, It defined their lives and it defined the lives of those they cared about. Number seven, I think it is, um, most, there are exceptions, but the rule was that when these people obeyed God, they did not see the results or the benefits of that obedience quickly. There were exceptions, but the rule was that the benefits the, the reasons for doing what God was telling them to do, the reward, it came much later, not quickly. And then the last thing I noticed was that in every one of these situations, the directions that God gave them, what God was telling them to do, it was not fun, it was not easy, but to the person, their testimonies of all 20 were, I don't regret doing it. No one says, I regret, I heard God, I didn't want to do it, but I did it, and now I regret it. Right. There were no regrets. And so, um, I, I thought those eight qualities that united all of these 20 people, I thought that was very interesting. And do I see my... See those eight qualities in my faith relationship, my faith journey with God. Now, you, you, I wanted you to read this passage real quickly if you can. I will. Okay, uh, from, what is that, from James chapter 2? James chapter 2. I would like you to read that if Four, you will. 14 through 26. Yeah, please. It reads like this. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no clothing or food. And you say, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith and others have good deeds. But I say, can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? Mm. I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Mm. You say you have faith, for you believe there is one God. Well, good for you. But even the devils and demons believe Mm. this, and they tremble in terror. Mm. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Mm. Don't you remember our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God And God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called a friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right by God by what we do, not by faith alone. Mm. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. She was shown to be right by God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is is, uh, dead without breath, Mm. so is faith dead without good works. Thank you. In studying this chapter, Hebrews 11, I noticed 
Uh, let me just say it this way, that there were a couple of things that really stood out to me that, that made me take pause and evaluate my own faith, my own, uh, do I have real faith? Do I have a real faith relationship with God? I just wanted to share these things with you real quickly. Um, number one, what that chapter, Hebrews 11, convinced me of is that a faith relationship without life change is worthless and invalid. For me to declare that I have a faith relationship with God, but the people around me don't notice any kind of change, any kind of difference. Those 20 people in Hebrews 11, if you were around them, you might not have liked them. You might not have agreed with them. They might have made you mad or confused you. But you could see a vi- you could see visible manifestations of their faith relationship with God. It was plain. It was evident. So my question is, do I have a real faith relationship with God? How do I know if my faith is real? Because I would suggest that Pharaoh, Achan, Balaam, King Saul, Judas, to varying degrees, these were people who had faith in God. They, they witnessed God do these miracles. They, they saw it and they, they believed to varying degrees. Um, but they're not going to be in heaven. They had no relationship, no intimate faith relationship with God, even though they had faith to varying degrees. Even that passage you read in James 2, uh, James says, uh, you believe in God? Good for you. Bully for you. The demons in hell believe, but they're not going to be in heaven. It's a big verse. It's a big verse. Yes, it is. James 1 says, don't just listen to God's word. You must follow it or you're only fooling yourself. Jesus said in Mark 3, whoever got, I'm sorry, who, Jesus says, whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Who does Jesus consider a part of his family? Not those that hear God's word, not those who think about God, not those that would claim to believe in God, but those that do the will of God. And then Jesus says in John 13, if you know these things, the truths of God, happier you if you do them. What we believe drives what we do. But the truth is, what we do reveals what we believe. If my faith is not impacting our marriage, if my, if my faith is not impacting my relationship with Rainey and Colton and Teddy, if my faith is not impacting my relationship with my coworkers, with uh, those that are in need, if my faith is not impacting my relationship with my enemies, I should be terrified that I don't really have a real faith relationship. And then the second thing that, that just stood out to me, and then I want you to share that, that thing that you were, th- that you were telling me about. Yeah. Yeah, the second thing is this. I just couldn't help but reflect on the importance of taking that first step. When I know God is speaking to me, and I know what God is saying What I do next is huge. 
Um, I find it significant that out of those 40 verses that make up Hebrews 11, 20 of those verses talk about two people, Abraham and Moses. Half the chapter talks about two people. And the key to Abraham and Moses' life, both of which God ultimately asked him to do some incredibly difficult things, but the key to their lives was not their willingness to do the most difficult thing. The key to both of their lives was their willingness to do the first thing. To start. To start. uh, um, Abraham, I want you to offer your son Isaac. God, I don't think I can do that. Can you get up in the morning and take the first step toward Mount Moriah? Moses, can you stand before Pharaoh and have this cosmic battle between Jehovah God and all the gods of Egypt and deliver the people of Israel and lead them across the world? I'm not sure I can do that. Can you get up in the morning and take the first step back to Egypt? I can do that, God. It's that first step. Their willingness. That's a great point. To do, of course it is. To do the, to do the first thing, the, the thing that you know God is telling you to do. God doesn't speak to us to educate us. God doesn't speak to us to enlighten us. God speaks to us so that we will then respond in obedience. And it's in the act of obeying and doing what God tells us to do That's when I experience healing. That's when I experience life change. That's when I experience um, uh, 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 life itself. It's, It's when I respond in obedience to what God is telling me. That's when my life is changed for good. Abraham and Moses were examples of faith, not because they acted better. Abraham could have said, God, I'm going to stay in Ur, but I'm going to act better. Moses could have said, I'm going to stay with my family near Mount Sinai, and I'll act better. No, no, no. What made them people of great faith, champions of faith, was not their willingness to act better, but their willingness to follow God and do what God was telling them to do. God is not calling us to act nicer. He's calling us to hear Him, recognize what He's saying to us, and then to do that which He tells us to do. Does that make sense? It do you, does. It okay. does. Yeah. I just think so often we make Christianity this, this, this system through which we can help people act nicer. And I think Christianity does help people like this, but that's, that's a byproduct. The real goal of Christianity is to have a, 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 a population of people, uh, a group of people in the world who are known for hearing what God is saying, recognizing what God has said, and then they do it no matter what. That's what I believe will impact our world for ultimate good. Yeah. Share what you were thinking. Yeah, so this is a little book by Annie Dillard, who I love. The name of the book is Teaching a Stone to Talk. It's from one of the essays in there. Listen to this. I think it fits this conversation. Uh, She says, God does not demand that we give up our personal dignity, that we throw in our lot with random people, that we lose ourselves and turn from all that is not Him. God needs nothing, asks nothing, and demands nothing, like the stars. Mm. It is a life with God which demands these things. Mm. Experience has taught the race that if knowledge of God is the end, 
then these habits of life are not the means, but the condition in which the means operates. Mm. You do not have to do these things, not at all. God does not, I regret to report, give a hoot. Mm. You do not have to do these things unless you want to know God. Mm. This Mm. is a big line right here. They work on you, not on Him. You do not have to sit outside Mm. in the dark. If, however, you want to look at the stars, Mm. you will find that darkness is necessary. Mm. But the stars neither require it nor demand it. Mm. That's good, isn't it? These things don't work on Him. She's brilliant. They work on, on me. And God is not in heaven wringing His hands, worrying and fretting that you and I are not going to follow His direction. But it's in us stilling our souls, seeking Him, listing them, and then responding in obedience to what we believe God is telling us. That's where we're going to experience God. Just a step forward. Just Just that, that what is God telling me to do? Who is God telling me to go and ask forgiveness from? Who is God telling me to give forgiveness to? Who is God telling me to uh, sacrificially take of my blessings and invest in their lives? Maybe God's telling some of us, you've never given your life to me. I want you to make me your Savior. That first step of receiving Jesus as your Savior, following Him in baptism, becoming a, a vital, active part of a local church, Um, creating a relationship with your mate uh, that reflects the love that Jesus has for his bride. It's these these simple, doable steps that God... God's not asking us to do the impossible. That's not the problem. God's asking us to do things that we just don't want to do. Be the first one to initiate... A broken, uh, a reviving healing. a broken relationship. That is exactly right. Yeah. But it's in our willingness to follow, to do what we know God is saying. That's where God's life, God's love, God's reality, God's power will be revealed in our lives and to those around our lives. Everybody says, this is kind of off topic, I'm sorry. <laughs> Everybody says they want to see a miracle. But we, yeah. I, I would believe if I saw a miracle, I would do it yeah. if I saw a miracle. It's not about that. It is about taking that one step. Take another, take another, take another. And then Moses saw the miracle. And the lot in your life has already become a miracle as you add all those small steps right. together. Right. Thank you, dear lady. Uh, You're welcome. Thank y'all You're welcome, dear man. for being here with us today. Uh, I hope this has made sense. I hope that you'll take some time to go back and look at Hebrews 11 and really ponder what that chapter is saying and evaluate your own faith relationship with God. Is it real? Is it active? Is it vital? Uh, this verse, this last verse I'll read in Hebrews 12, Paul says, be careful. Don't refuse to listen to God when he is speaking. For if the children of God, the Israelites, suffered for ignoring the words of Moses... Won't we also suffer if we reject the one who is speaking to us from heaven? Let's not reject the voice of the one who is speaking to us from heaven. Let's not reject the voice of the one who came 
and gave his life on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven and so that we could have a, a faith relationship yeah. with God himself. And we're going to end today by just um, eating some bread, which represents the body of our Savior, and drinking some grape juice, which represents his blood, and declaring that we do have faith in the Son of God. We are placing our faith in what he did for us on the cross, and we give thanks, and we, uh, once again, declare our need for fresh grace so that we can hear God and so that we can respond in obedience to what God is telling us to do. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day, for your word, for the lives of those that show us what it looks like to be somebody that loves and trusts and follows you. Help us to be those kinds of people. Please help us to be, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great day. Yep. Lord bless you. I couldn't manage the problem I laid on myself. It just made it worse when I laid them on somebody else. So I finally surrendered it all, brought down in despair. I cried out for help. And I felt a warm comforter there And I came to believe in a power much higher than I And I came to believe that I needed help to get by In childlike faith I gave in and gave him a try and I came to believe in a power much higher than I. And nothing worked out when I handled it all on my own And each time I failed It made me feel twice as alone And I cried, Lord, there must be A sure and easy way For it just cannot be That a man should lose hope every day and I came to believe in a power much higher than I And I came to believe that I needed help to get by In childlike faith, I gave in and gave him a try 
And I came to believe in a power much higher than I. And I came to believe in a power much higher than I. Hey, Avery. Are you okay? <laughs> Thanks again for joining us. We are Christ Community Church. Y'all come back next week. We'll be here Facebook Live and YouTube Live at 1015 uh, in the morning. Bethany's house again, right, Bethany? Sure. You said no last week, and here we are. I'll be here asleep. Avery, you want to say anything? <laughs> Y'all have a great week. We'll see you next week.